Mm. But right now, let's have a look at some text messages that have come in. I've had, yes, yeah, welcome back messages. Thank you, friends. Well, welcome back into the last show of the year. Well, then, where then we'll be leaving again. Um, here we go. Biodegradable batteries. There is almost nothing men can't do when they really try. This is good news. Worldwide, 15 billion primary batteries are thrown away. Every year. Uh, there's the answer to that question. Every year. So I'm like, oh, 15 million, what, in, in all that time? million or billion? Billion. 15 billion every year. So it's definitely, we're in need of some biodegradable technology there. Um, the Hubble telescope, the best invention God gave man is to understand his creation. Um, the James Webb, we can only imagine what wonders God will allow us to find. But will man find God? Open our hearts and eyes that we may see your love. Oh, man, isn't that the truth? Yeah, great you know, when we look out into the expanse of the universe through the James Webb um, and, and just see a powerful testimony of what God has created, I pray and, that we and can then, And then when that. you see Scripture say, talk about, oh, I hath not seen, mm. we haven't seen or heard a, of the things that God's prepared, you go, there's more. There's, <laughs> there's so much more. <laughs> Like, this is the thing. We have done our best, I think, on this earth. And, and uh, um, you know, if there's biodegradable batteries and all of the crazy technologies kind of prove, like, our extensive yeah. research into, okay, what can we do with this uh, yeah. earth and, and what is going on in it? Um, but, you know, this is this is a fallen, broken, sinful yeah. human... Just imagine it when it's not a fallen, yeah. broken. It's even hard to do that because our context doesn't even allow us to think... A little, a little higher sometimes to, mm. to even imagine some of this stuff. That's right. That's what we look for. Oh, man, we're going to be talking about that in a yeah. Bible study, actually. Okay, 2022, 63% believe in negative future. Interesting what the Word of God says. As for Victoria, can't get much worse. <laughs> Funny the worse things get, the more hope of the Holy Spirit gives to people that they may find God. And I feel, you know, this is the thing. It's like, what, is, what does the Lord require of you? Um, you know, he he wants to see us have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He wants us to come to him, he, and and I feel like you know I can attest personally in in my own life. It's when situations get dire that we are driven to him, and I feel like at this time there is you know there's going to be a push of people away from him, and there's going to be a push of people towards yeah. him, and we can make the decision. Which and, and I think we're, we're going to see some movement, really rapid movement in that mm. space. Mm. Going and coming. Going and coming, yeah. yes, definitely. And we're, because we're in need. Because this is the ultimate thing. Yeah. Like, change leads to change and yeah. decisions and action. And so but this is like the world that we're living in now. We are looking around and we're saying, oh, no, th- this isn't just the way that it's been. Things are changing. I've, I've been reading, just a quick one, I've been reading um, some of Jonathan Sachs' works, a, a secular Jewish rabbi, brilliant mind. And one of the books was God, Science, and the Quest for Meaning. And he's pointing out the fact that people out there are looking for meaning. Mm. Science can show us how to put things together, but they can't provide meaning. Mm. And he, he explores that. And I just, I don't know about you, but I, just, but I, I think people in whatever way they're thinking through processes and that underlying as is, so what's this all about? Where's the meaning in all of this stuff? Oh, man, total, well, you know, for me, uh, we've just been down in Melbourne for a week talking with people on how to do university ministry, right? How to reach uni students because we're doing the same thing up here, and that is the that's the, that's where people come to. You know, we have uh, we just uh, did Bible studies and baptized. I just baptized the guy that I did Bible studies with, 
you know, he's a, a master's degree in architecture. Yeah. You know, for someone, he is so just enveloped in this world and, and someone who is so knowledgeable on a particular topic. Like, he's a special dude. Yeah. He's especially determined mm-hmm. um, and gifted in, in this area of market of architecture to the point where, yeah, and he has the credentials to show for it. Uh, but for him, like... He, that's the thing. He's like, what, but, but what does this mean? You know, yes. yeah, sure, I can build the most big and biggest and beautiful buildings, but but what really is the meaning of life? And I think you know, we also recently had a guy who was con- converted. Who he is a he's just finished his masters in. He's doing a double masters in IT and business analysis. So we're talking about someone who's incredibly you know in terms of un- understanding businesses and where they're going and the you know the human psyche in relationship to to marketing and business and like this guy is. He, he's it. He's he's a, a local authority on these things. Yet he's in the position where he's like, oh, but is there really meaning uh, here? Is yeah. there really anything going yeah. on? And so, yeah, as we get more knowledgeable, as we understand more, it should drive us to. But what does this actually mean? What yeah. is this pointing us to? And there are many people who are being pointed to God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Uh, oh, last text message here. Must be unbelievable feeling to know that you saved six hundred plus people. That is a lot of people who were given opportunity to be in the kingdom of God, let alone all their families. That is what is called. Uh, that is uh, what is called the power of one led by the Holy Spirit. Obviously, um, what was that guy's name? Nicholas. Nicholas Winter. Oh, Winton. Winton. Nicholas Winton. Just getting it yeah, done, and, and uh, it's incredible humanitarian and, and such story. a humble man. Mm. Just so humble. Oh well, that's what I was meant to do. It gives me a lot. It, it it changes perspective for me a lot. It just makes me sit back and think. So, Rick, what are you about? So, it's the meaning question again for me. Mm, What's this all about? Definitely. Well, guys, thank you for your text messages. If you have anything else to say, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. If you have any questions of the day, you can also send, send in, in there. But now we're gonna we're gonna jump into our Bible study. We're going to open our Bibles. We're going to read some passages. But before we get into it, we've been going on this topic, this theme um, this week of the resurrection of Moses. And now I haven't been here. I've kind of caught bits and pieces on the show while I've been on the road traveling around. Mm-hmm. We did, uh, man, I did about 10 hours of driving <laughs> yesterday. So I'm, Warm I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good this morning to, you know, it's, uh, doing some more sitting, but, um, yeah, just here in the studio. Uh, but, this idea and this topic that we've been covering, the resurrection of Moses and, you know, the biblical evidence for it, how it took place. Um, and as we come to that question again, as we've just been considering, why is it important though that mm. Moses was resurrected? Why, why do we, why do we make such a, such a keen point out of this? And I think it's from, from two different perspectives that we see the importance of of Moses's good, resurrection, study. coming to an understanding of oh, why was Moses resurrection and, and and why is that important? And we're going to be opening up about that in just just a, moment. just a moment. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So. Getting getting back into it. Um, why was Moses' resurrection the the first the first reason that we have? Like the the first why it's so important that Moses is resurrected is because we see him transfigured on the mount with with Jesus, and so it's like, oh man, how did he get there? We know how Elijah got there. He got taken into heaven. That's right. In, in a chariot. He was right? alive. He was alive and taken into heaven. It's like, 
how did Moses get there? Moses died. But then, you know, I'm sure it would have been explored, these incredible verses, particularly Jude 7, Jude verse 7, you know, exploring this idea of the resurrection of Moses, how it took place. Um, But the second reason why it's so important to explore the resurrection of Moses, um, and and this is the, the key point, because there were people resurrected in the Bible, particularly in Jesus' time, people resurrected from death into life. That's right. But Moses' resurrection wasn't to the life that we currently live, but the life to which we will live. Yeah. Moses was resurrected unto heaven. Like, this is the really, really, really important point. Moses being resurrected unto heaven ultimately gives us proof of essentially the success of God's mission. It, it, is, it is the ultimate outcome. It's, it's another evidence, isn't it, of God's great plan, of mm. Christ the great resurrection. Mm. But here's another example of God's planning gives an insight into resurrection heaven. I love that idea of Moses. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now, the big question is, and, and this is kind of what is posed in Jude 7 when there is this dispute happening between Michael the archangel and, the, and Satan yep. over the body of Moses. Moses. The big question that's posed is, is what is that dispute over? And the dispute is the ability for Moses to be resurrected as a sinful human being. Yeah. This is the big point. It's like, how can Moses be resurrected even and unto heaven? resurrected in the ultimate sense into into newness of life in the ultimate way you know we get baptized right into newness of life and it's the spiritual symbol that represents jesus coming into our heart and being able to live a life with him but the way that moses was resurrected was literally you know when we read in first corinthians 15 uh the kingdom of heaven you know mortal will not had inherit immortality and and corruptible can't yeah. inherit incorruption. Sin will be finished. Sin is done. That was the resurrection that Moses experienced. And it's like, okay, so so how did that have the ability to take place? And that is what Satan's really pointing to. He's really making this point out of, oh, you can't do this. Moses was a sinner. But ultimately, we find the 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 thing that gave this the ability to happen um and at that time it was a future reality and now it is a real concrete and past reality and but extending into the future is Christ himself yes the life the death and the resurrection of Christ ultimately shows us the ability that God has to resurrect sinners, to resurrect, to to give us, bring us into newness of life, and I think the Bible really harkens on this point when we come to John chapter eleven, John chapter eleven. So let's let's open our Bibles and just begin to to read through and get some perspective. John chapter eleven. Our key verse there um, is eleven and verse twenty five. Um, but we're going to open up a bit before before that, I believe. Yeah, let's start in John. Well, John chapter 11 is all about the resurrection of Lazarus. That's it. But I want to focus really in to the words of Christ. Let's start in maybe, uh, let's start in verse 22. Do you want me to read that? Yeah, go for it. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now this is this is important. This is Martha and Jesus. Yeah. They're having a conversation, and um, they're talking about this. You know, Lazarus has died. He could have been here. Like, what's the point of all of this? But Martha still acknowledges Jesus and said, "You know, you are the Son of God. Like, whatever your will is for to happen in this situation, God will give you." But then Jesus responds <laughs> with this point. Responds to what she says. Uh, your brother will rise again. 
Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Your brother will rise again. And and Martha and Martha followed what would I mean? I I, I try and put myself in this place, mm. and I would probably say, yeah. Well, I know. Mm. I know Jesus. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. I mean, we know that stuff. Yes. <laughs> and this is the real key verse here, verse twenty-four. Now. The resurrection in the last day. Now, we know that Lazarus was resurrected immediately, um, which is which is yeah. powerful. But Martha, as a student of Christ, as a disciple, she listens to Jesus says this, and she acknowledges the fact that, and, and this is the point she's trying to make, like, oh, Jesus, whatever you want to happen will happen. But I know for a fact he's going to rise in the resurrection at the last day. But how is that possible? Mm-hmm. Verse twenty-five, and this to me is the it's this to me is the is the is the is the big clangor. Mm. This is the big picture. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, "Whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die." Martha, do you believe this? Mm. <laughs> He's just really challenging her her concept of death. Like he's he's really challenging, like because the big problem here for Martha is she's so grieving. Yes, she's so gr- yeah. grief. Which is a natural natural thing. And and Jesus is coming to her, and she's like, okay, Jesus is about to do an amazing work of literally rising, raising Lazarus back to the life that we yeah. that we live currently. But he makes an even further point of why this resurrection is so amazing is is that whoever dies may live. And then there are those who may never die. What we are looking at here is this resurrection unto eternity, unto a life with God without sin. Yep. This is something, and as we were talking about yeah. before, eye has not seen, no ear has heard. not heard. Like we simply in our life that we live can't understand yep. what it means or what it feels like yep. or what it looks like to be resurrected unto eternal life. And, and Lawson, I, I, I'm thinking with verse 27 when, when Martha said to him, I, I, I put myself in that place, yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. And I'd almost put in a bracket after there, I don't fully understand that, though. Mm. It's like I recognise that. To me, Jesus was saying, Martha, just don't get caught up in the trees. Mm. Here's the big forest picture. Yeah, wow. Hey, wow. Big. Just really expanding to her, like yeah, the incredible, the the incredible things that will take place. And I think it's interesting too when we consider the resurrection, particularly when we consider eternal life as well. It's it's often difficult to think about. It is. We can we can long for heaven. We can long for time with Jesus. We can long for a time in which sin won't exist. But it's actually difficult to long for eternal life. I think in our current context, because basically. Since sin has entered the world, you know, we work by the sweat of our brow. You know, everything that we do expends energy. Exp- like, oh, man, I played golf a couple of days yeah. ago. And my, I am so sore from top to bottom. I, I know that that's a funny example, but then we had Etienne come yeah. on here and talk about the difficulties being faced by Christians around the world. We're all looking towards heaven, but, man, to look towards an eternity that is the same in nature as the one that we possess now is not it's, something to look no. forward to. We're, everything we view in this world is so finite. Yeah. You know, it's an end to it. There's a beginning mm. and an end to it. And God is saying, believe in me, it's much bigger than that. That's right. That's right. And, and he's making this point to Martha because he's about to resurrect Lazarus. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, like we look forward to a future, a resurrection that is so 
beautiful. Yeah, I, th- I think you've hit a real significant point there. I think for me, you know, we go through traumas. People, you know, people go through traumas. We've heard some from Etienne. I mean, I just thought, oh, perspective. I just sat back and thought, man, don't you complain, Rick. Um, um, the, the idea that, oh, now, it's got, now I've, gone into, <laughs> I've gone into a blank state. <laughs> oh, yes, God is saying, Rick, can you trust me despite what the outcome with Lazarus? If he mm. hadn't have resurrected Lazarus, mm. could you still trust me because I am the resurrection and the life? So the big, deeper question for me is, can we trust God despite what's taking place? Mm. The big picture. Yeah. Mm. Didn't go my way. Didn't work. I'm seeing stuff happen. God's saying, let me take you to a deeper level and trust. Mm. And, oh. Because... We have something to look forward to. Absolutely. Like, this is, like we have something to look forward to that is in terms of the hope of heaven that is unlike anything and, and we've ever And it's not a false hope. It's a yeah. founded faith. Mm. Like, and this is what we've been talking about this morning, the, the science, you know, what we understand from Scripture. It's like it's all pointing towards a God who is keenly in touch Absolutely. with humanity, who is who has got his finger on the pulse yep. of what is taking place here and ultimately trying to usher everyone into this new perspective of, guys, look forward to Absolutely. eternity. Yep. Look forward to what you will experience and make a decision for me today. We're going to be talking more about this after this. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, you know what? Let's continue on with our Bible study here. Let's let's continue on. Let's get into the Word of God. And um, all right, I wanted to just continue with this this topic of what God has prepared for us, uh, but also turn a co- bit of a corner too. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and let's and this is something we were t- touching on a bit earlier. But let's pick it up in verse hmm, maybe verse. 13, and just start reading through and, and breaking down what's what's taking place in these verses. All right. 1 Corinthians 13, verse... Sorry, did I get that right? 1 Corinthians 15 and oh, verse 13. I was, I was looking at the context and I thought I'm in the right wrong place there. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Mm. And if Christ is not risen... Oh, I love this. Our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, the first point to contend with here, like, and 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 this is so unequivocal. This is so plain. This is so clear. The resurrection of Christ, um, that we preach about, that took place two thousand years ago, ultimately points forward to the resurrection of everyone. And without that understanding, if you like believe in a theology that does not include, well. I think most Christian, if not all Christian theology, includes the resurrection of Christ. But if it does not include the ultimate resurrection and second coming of everyone at the very end of time, then it is false. It is void. And in the next text really spells that out. It's basically saying, you're liars. Mm. We're false witnesses. Mm. If we we don't, uh, if if Christ is not risen... Mm. You t- you're at, we're actually Christians worldwide throughout history have been liars. And, mm. uh, you know, it's a false witness. Um, so it all hinges on that death, resurrection. Mm. And the reason that's so important is because it points to, yeah, the resurrection of 
Everyone. Everyone. This is the thing with Christianity. I, I, I really want to make this point because it's, because it's important. Um, particularly in the times that we're living in, but always like, uh, and, and pretty much all religion comes to a point, And this happens in, in Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism. Pretty much all religions come to a point where there are two groups of people. There are traditionalists and there are liberalists in terms of what they are willing to believe in, in, in terms of the, the theology and, and, uh, what's actually communicated by their scripture, by their tradition. Um, they come to a point where it's either you, you believe in either side, like everything literally, um, or you, like, like, for example, like there are Orthodox Jews who are, you know, follow the, the, the Torah and the Old Testament to the letter. They're like, yep. And then there are people who are cultural Jews or mm. even secular Jews mm. who, yes, they are Jewish by race and then even Jewish by culture. So they take part in the festivals and whatnot. But it's like, hey, no, nah, this is just cultural tradition. The point that this is making here as Christian, as Christians, it is impossible to be culturally Christian because we believe in the little, literal miracle of the resurrection. Which necessitates a literal God to exist, which necessitates, like, you know, this, this book, the Bible, isn't given to us and it's not preached and it's not lived by just so that we can live better lives or be happier. This isn't self-help, even though it's full of self-help. Uh, this isn't just a comfort, even though it's full of comfort. This, like, yes, it will function in these ways, but it's ultimately pointing to the real resurrection of Prim- Christ. Primary purpose. The primary purpose is the real resurrection of Christ that theref- then therefore points to the saviour the, the savior of the entire yep. world and the saving of the entire world, yep. um, the ability for people to be saved. And, and Paul is just so unequivocal. Mm. I, I just noticed in verse 14 that we've just read, yes. and verse 17, he's basically saying the same thing. It's like... Amen, amen. I want you to listen to this. In verse 14, if Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty, yes. our faith is empty. Then in 17, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. Here he goes again. Mm. It's a double. And you're still in your sins. That line right there, you are still in your sins. That is like we're really getting to the rubber meets the road, yep. the nuts and bolts of Christianity, because it's like, you can't sell. You can't use the Bible and self-help your way out of sin. Uh, that's the point you made earlier, and that's the thing. Oh, it's a nice story. We can do this. We can do that. And so, mm. but the Lord says, "But you're still in your sins. You're still in your sins. It, it doesn't matter what steps we take, even if they're biblically guided. Yeah, you know. And, and it's sad to see a lot of the Christian world kind of a, 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 adopting all different kinds of methods to to have better life when, and it's, it's fine. Like, you know, we, we, we are 2000 years beyond from this and we, we have so much information, particularly psychologically. Like mm. we understand the human brain so well now we, we understand life and, and purpose. I wouldn't say better than God understands it, but we definitely have more perspective than ever before because we're 2000 years in the mm. future. But that being said, what the Bible is pointing to is, yeah, a removal of sin from our yeah. life that will have a real, like a real practical meaning at the very, very end of time, because sin will ultimately be removed in reality. But even in our lives today, like if, if the resurrection of Christ, um, the death that he died for us on the cross, um, if that event, that miracle didn't take place. Yeah. yeah. We are still in our sins. There's no second coming. It's just, yeah. it's, it's all futile. And, um, I, I just love the way Paul spells it. I see Paul really digging into the big themes here. Mm. 
the resurrection of Christ is the seal mm. also of his second coming mm. and our life eternally. Yes. And then I think verse 18 and 19 where it says, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Yeah, no hope. There's no hope. And then finally, if in this life the only hope is Christ, and that's that's all we have, but he isn't resurrected, we are of all men most pitiable. You know, I want to I want to kind of make a call. Tomorrow's Christmas. I'm yeah. actually going to be speaking at church for Christmas, yeah. and I'm going to my family are going to be coming along. Most of my family are non Christian. They're going to be coming and spending time, um, and I'm going to get up there and I'm going to preach about this about this very point. Repentance. I'm going to preach about Christ dying for our sins, how He came for us the first time, how, obviously how He was born, how amazing it is. But I'm going to be preaching this point, and it should be preached and it should be recognized yeah. that. No, this is this is a very real thing. This is the reason for the season. It's the yeah. reason for everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good on you. I hope you, that'll be so, great. So it's going to be a blessing. Yeah, but yeah. again, we just need to be reminded that this isn't a time for us just to celebrate Braden and have festivities, but to remember, hey, no, no, God, this is God, Jesus. God died for us. Yeah. <laughs> God died for us, yeah. and we and He resurrected, and we can look forward to yeah. a resurrection it's in the future. What an amazing way to end the Bible study. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now it is time for... Question of the Day. Where did that go? So it's actually, uh, it, it's, it was there on the page, but it was, you had to scroll down, Rick. Rick ah, Rick's just getting it done. Uh, good stuff. All right, what is our question of the day? Yeah, well, listen. Yeah, did the Old Testament people worship a threefold God? There's actually two questions. Did they know about the Holy Spirit back then? All right, let's start with did they know about the Holy Spirit? I, I, I want to make this point really clear because th- there are people who could possibly claim that they, they don't. Um, and the best way to test whether they did or not is to see what the biblical writers actually said. Um, about, you know, how did, they, how did they recount these stories? Um, so let's go through. I want to make a couple different points here um, of the Holy Spirit mentioned and the functions that he's mentioned in. So firstly, um, he participated in creation. We know in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, you know, the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of, the God, of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, and then in Job 26, 13, by his Spirit he adorned the heavens, his hand pierced the, flee- the fleeing serpent. So... We see that he participates in creation. Um, the Spirit gives life yep. to humanity. We know in Psalms 104 uh, and verse 29 and 30 where it says, Hide your face, they are troubled. Take away their breath, they die and they return to dust. Send forth your Spirit Good. and they are created. And you renew their, f- uh, sorry, you renew the face of the earth. So we see the Spirit there having, you know, participating in giving life to people. Then we know that the Spirit strives with sinners in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. My Spirit shall not strive uh, with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Uh, We then continue on. We know that the Spirit came upon certain judges, warriors, and prophets. This is a really important point, and we we see this a lot. I actually just finished reading through the book of um, Judges, and we see many times there we see the spirit come upon Joshua in yep. Numbers, um, in Judges. Othniel is his name, uh, one of the judges. Upon Gideon, upon Samson, upon upon Saul. Um, but it also departed from Saul. We see in First Samuel chapter sixteen and verse fourteen, the spirit uh, departs from him um, because of disobedience. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, we know that the um, spirit 
uh, played a prominent role in the, you know, within Old Testament prophecy. Uh, in Second Samuel 23 and verse 2, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by yep. me, and his word was on, on my tongue. tongue. Um, and then Ezekiel 2 and verse 2, where the Bible says, The Spirit entered me and spoke to me. Yep. Um, we know that the Spirit inspired the holiness in Old Testament believers. In Psalm 143 and verse 10, it says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your Spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Um, and the Spirit was crucial in helping God's people to um, anticipate the ministry of the coming Messiah. And we have uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 to 5, where it says, well, particularly in verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, yeah. the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. So we see that the Holy Spirit is incredibly active throughout the whole test, Old Testament, working there. Now, to talk about the... We don't oh, we don't have time to get into this threefold God and, and how they worshipped him in the Old Testament. But we see the Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit active in the King. Old Testament and that the bi- biblical writers are writing about it. This is, I think this is the really important thing. The, the writers of the Bible at this point... You know, because we can look at any king at any time and, you know, they're people that have different perspectives yes. and understanding. Yep. But when the writers are clearly denoting the fact that all three of these members, and as we've read through here, the Holy Spirit is active, therefore there would have been perspective and understanding. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.